greatest way to see God's steadfast love that endures forever is through the person of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm going to make you my people. I'm going to be with you always. And I'm preparing you to enter into that kingdom that I've already prepared for you, that I'm keeping for you, that's unfading, undefiled, and unending, that is kept in heaven for you. Are you looking for meaning or a word from God that's relevant to your life? Are you searching for a better understanding of who God is? Well, you're in the right place. You found the Gary Talks About God podcast. This is a weekly podcast that comes to you from the pulpit of Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church in Germantown, North Carolina. The podcast is hosted by Red Bank Senior Pastor Gary Sanders. Now let's get ready to take that walk through God's Word with our pastor, teacher, and friend. Hey, he's that guy we call Gary. Bibles, Psalm 136 this morning. Psalm 136. And I was, I'm going to have to check because I can't remember. The title was the last thing that I, I have a hard time with titles. Uh, And so they're usually the last thing that I come up with and they change often. So I wanted to make sure I got the title correct. So God's great steadfast love this morning is what we're going to focus on. And this sermon really came from last week's sermon. If you remember last week's sermon, as we were uh, discussing the path of, of wisdom, one of the paths of wisdom, we said that we walk in wisdom by embracing His mercy. And I want to focus on that this morning, because the word used in Proverbs 3 that we saw last week is the same word that is used here in Psalm 136 for 26 times as the psalmist writes. It's a beautiful word in in the Hebrew. It's one that we've kind of talked about before, but I don't think that I've ever uh, spent an entire sermon on it. And the, the psalmist here in Psalm 136, what we need to understand is that this psalm has a, a very special name. Uh, for us, it just probably in the English translation says, His steadfast love endures forever. And remember, I always have to point these out. The headings are helpful, but not inspired, okay? Uh, but it's called the Great Hallel, the Great Hallel. And it's, it's part of a group of psalms, all right, Psalms 113 through 118, that are called the Hallel Psalms. And as you hear that word, I, I imagine your, your mind automatically finishes that word for us in the English from Hallel to Hallelujah, because it is what we use, Hallelujah, praise Yahweh. And, and Hallel means simply that, means to praise. They are, they are psalms of praise. But where Psalms 113 through 118 are just psalms of praise and call that one, this one is called the Great Hallel because over and over and over it says, praise God, praise God, over and over and over. When you actually look at Psalm 136, you can, you can see how this has been used and is still used today in, in Jewish services because it is, it is a responsive reading. The priest or the rabbi would read the first part, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, and the synagogue and the congregation would respond with, for his steadfast love endures forever. It's an easy psalm to memorize, especially if you are reciting it back. You only had one line to memorize, and in fact, in the Hebrew, while we translate it with six words, it's only two words in the Hebrew. You have the word for his steadfast love, and then you have the word forever. (laughs) That, That was it. 
And so the writer this morning is drawing our attention to why we praise God. Uh, that's that's the, the whole point of this psalm. And the word used in Hebrew, and I am not a Hebrew scholar, and so when I say this, I am saying it in the American because there are guttural sounds in Hebrew that I just I cannot do, and I don't want to spit all over my Bible this morning. But it, it's, it's basically hesed, but we had put a kind of a ch at the front, kind of like hesed, it kind of comes back here. And it's one of those words where we run into translation, not difficulties, but just issues because the word encompasses so much more than how we translate it, right? Let me just give you an example. This word, hesed, in various translations is either translated this way, love, faithful love, steadfast love, loving devotion, mercy, faithfulness, and loving kindness, and all those words, you can kind of see, it's kind of like a bullseye, right? Where, where the Hebrew word is in the middle and the arrows kind of come around it. And they all kind of mean sort of the same thing in the English, but just can't quite figure out which word best describes how to translate it. I, I personally like the way the ESV does with his steadfast love. I like that, that, that steadfast love that it never moves. It's always there. So this morning, as we read through this, and we're going to focus on his steadfast love, the psalmist, like I said, is, is bringing us to a point of praise of God for his steadfast love. And he says, this is what he did, and this is why we praise him. While we can say confidently that his steadfast love endures forever. Now, I am going to read it in its entirety, because it seems like since it is written for us to praise God and praise His steadfast love forever. You ought to read the entire psalm, even though every other line is going to be His steadfast love endures forever. So let me ask you to do this. Either quietly or out loud, you choose. And I'm not, I'm not going to pause and wait for you to respond, okay? I'm just going to read it like I normally do. But either out loud if you choose to, or just in your mind, read that refrain. Use it as a chance of a responsive reading back to God as we go through Psalm 136. And like I said, I am going to read down through verse 26. The psalmist writes, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His steadfast love endures forever. To him alone who does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. To the sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and the stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever. And brought Israel out from among men, for his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his steadfast love endures forever. And made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his steadfast love endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his steadfast love endures forever. 
to him who struck down great kings for his steadfast love endures forever and killed mighty kings for his steadfast love endures forever Shion, king of the Amorites for his steadfast love endures forever and Og, king of Bashan for his steadfast love endures forever and gave their land as a heritage for his steadfast love endures forever a heritage to Israel his servant for his steadfast love endures forever it is he who remembered us in our low estate for his steadfast love endures forever and rescued us from our foes for his steadfast love endures forever and he who gives food to all flesh for his steadfast love endures forever give thanks to the god of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. If nothing else, when you get finished reading that psalm, you should come away with one truth, and that is God's steadfast love endures forever. And as we look at that this morning and make application at the end, you read the psalm, it's really, even though it's singular in purpose, you can kind of divide it into three areas. And the first one, the psalmist tells us that we give praise God, we praise God for a steadfast love revealed through who he is. And you see this in the first three verses. He says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And this is the proper starting start. You had to be in Sunday school to understand what is going on. The proper place to start praising God is for who he is. For, for just who God is. Not, nothing more, but just who he is. And when you look in this verse, do you notice anything very unique in the first three verses? Do you notice the words Lord, God, and then Lord again, but the first Lord and the third Lord are written differently? Do you, do you see that? You see what the psalmist is doing? He is drawing our attention to all the ways God has revealed himself in the Old Testament. He revealed himself to us in the Old Testament as Lord, capital L-O-R-D. That would be Yahweh. That is, when Moses goes to the burning bush, it is, he says, who, who do I tell sent them? He says, tell them I am sent them. Tell you Yahweh sent me. It is Yahweh, the one that is, is revealed in the covenants. When he makes a covenant with Abraham, when he makes a covenant with David, it is in the name of Yahweh, I am. It is in his covenantal name. The psalmist starts with that, that name, and everybody would immediately recognize how God entered into a covenant with them because that is who he is. He is I am. But then the author writes, and he says, we also give thanks to God. And that, that word God is, is, is the word Elohim. It speaks to his power and to his, his sovereignty. To there is no one more powerful than him. There is no one else directing the flow of history. Elohim is doing that. And then it says, we give thanks to the Lord. Capital L, then the rest, small letters. That's the word Adonai. It means master. It, 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 is, it is the one who is in charge of all things. God, who is sovereign over all, who through Yahweh, through His name, Yahweh comes in and, and initiates covenants, then becomes the Lord of his covenant people. So when we come to Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we, we say Lord, we, we mean that. He is, we are now part of the covenant, and now he is our master. The world is not. And the psalmist says, we, we give thanks to him because he is, first of all, good, right? He, he 
could be all those things and not be good, but He is a good God. And we need to remember that. He is not a malevolent God. He is not a mean God. He is a good God. But then, He is also God over all the gods. He is Lord over all. There is no one that can compare to Him. There is no one who can compete with Him. And that is who He is. And the psalmist says, we give thanks to the Lord for who He is. But then the psalmist says, and this is the bulk part of the psalm, he says, we give praise for God for a steadfast love that has been revealed to us through what He has done. What He has done. Look at all the things, right? From verse 4 down to verse 25 is basically a, a is reciting the history of Israel all the way from creation. All right, starts at creation and then follows through with Israel and, and his people. And it tells us what God has done to them and through them. And so we see this, and this part's kind of broken up. The first part is we see God's steadfast love at creation. The psalmist takes us to the heavens, the earth, the moon, and the stars and different aspects of creation and says, look, this is what God has done. He hung the stars. He hung the moon. He put all of this in the sky. He put everything around us that there is. And for this, we understand that His steadfast love was revealed and was present at creation. You know, man can do some really amazing things. We can invent some pretty cool stuff, right? I, I, I mean, the fact that on this device... I hold books, uh, an amount of books in my hands that most people throughout history never had access to. Right? I have a Bible software program on here that immediately gives me access to, to a couple thousand books. But you know what we haven't made yet? We haven't made a star. We haven't made an ocean. You haven't made a mountain. I don't care how much dirt you pile on top of it. You haven't made a mountain. The psalmist says, at creation, his steadfast love was present. Then the psalmist says, look, and now he moves into specifically Israel. He says that God's steadfast love was present in captivity and in deliverance. And he starts reciting that with, with the plagues in Egypt and, and bringing them out with his strong, outstretched hand. Reminding not only his people, but reminding history that while, the Egypt, while they were in captivity in Egypt, while they may have thought that God had abandoned them, he hadn't. God was still with them there in captivity. His steadfast love was present. And he revealed it in the most dramatic way when he brought them up out of Egypt, brings them out, crosses the Red Sea. Right? I, I mean, can you just... We, we, we can't. But, but, but can you imagine whether you like to go to Myrtle Beach or the Outer Banks or... What's the one that everybody goes to? It's, it's not care. It's Topsail that everybody likes to... Can you imagine what it must have looked like if you were to walk down on the beach and just stand there on the beach, and all of a sudden all the beach waters just went whoop, 
and there was dry land right in front of you. And you could just walk out on the dry land and you could stand there and look up at the water and just kind of watch that shark swim by you on the side. See, in the deliverance, I'm sure they saw his steadfast love. But the psalmist reminds, he was there with you in the captivity as well. We never, ever, ever have a problem doubting God's love when the good things are happening to us, do we? You never say, man, God, that was just an amazing experience. Thank you for doing that. I can't believe you abandoned me. Get some bad news? God, where are you in this? You've abandoned me. No, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. His steadfast love is with us. Even in those moments when we may be tempted to think it is not. But then look at verse 16. The psalmist reminds the readers that God's steadfast love was present in the wilderness. Why were they in the wilderness? Because when they're talking about the wilderness, you can go and you can look at the map and go, well, the whole place, you know, from Egypt up to Israel is wilderness, and you would be correct. It is. They ain't nothing there. <laughs> I always wanted to go see the nothing. I've never been, but I'd like to go see the nothing one day. It's desert. You know what's in the desert? Nothing. Because it's a desert, right? But that's not what he's talking about. Because when he mentions wilderness, what he is mentioning very specifically and what he is reminding is, remember, God's plan was, you come up out of Egypt, you walk up to the promised land that I promised you through Abraham and the descendants, you go to the promised land, and I will give you the promised land. That was the plan, right? What happened? Joshua, Caleb, ten other people go in to spy out the land, come back and say, oh, 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 no, the land is difficult They've got fortified cities. They've got these people that, that look really big. We're just a bunch of shepherds. We can't do anything. Caleb and Joshua said, nope, it's ours. Go take it. The land is great. Look at the size of the grapes we brought back. There's milk. There's honey. It's perfect. God's promises. The other ten go, we're going to die. What happened? They now march through the desert for 40 years. They're in the wilderness for 40 years. Would you not then think that because they were in the wilderness for their sin, that God had abandoned them and His steadfast love was not to be found? Just as they were wrong, we were wrong. If, if that's what you think. The psalmist says, while you were wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years, when God provided manna from you, for you from heaven, He was revealing His steadfast love. When you came to water and you needed water and it was bitter, and Moses turns it into water that you can drink, God's steadfast love was revealed. He said He didn't abandon you in the wilderness. He was right there with you the entire time, and His steadfast love was leading and guiding you. Same thing for us. There are times when we feel like we're in the wilderness, do we not? Maybe we are because we sinned and, and we walked out in the wilderness. Sometimes, and I think everybody does, all right? Um, don't feel bad if this is true. 
Sometimes we just go through a spiritual dryness. We, we, we just, it, it, it's just dry. It feels like wilderness. Maybe God's leading us to teach us something, right? Great lessons are taught and learned in the wilderness. And in those moments, even if it is a spirit, time of spiritual dryness and we're, we're trying to go, God, why am I in the wilderness? We may be, but he's with us as well. He's not abandoning us. Even in that time, he is leading and guiding us. His steadfast love is there with you then, too. The psalmist continues and says, Hey, you know that God's steadfast love was present at the conquest? Right? Because we, we, he's kind of going from bad, kind of notice the pattern, bad slavery, he, he was there with you, deliverance, he was with you. Okay, didn't see, probably saw. Wilderness, didn't see. Conquest, going to see again. Because what happens, they come into the land and, and, and they defeat the mighty kings and, and they take the land that was promised, the heritage to Israel. It's like God's steadfast love was there with you. How else do you think you were able to come in and, 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 and take the land? You go back and you read those narratives where God says, Do not fear, for I, God, have given them into your hand and all his people in this, in this land. He's saying, I, I'm there with you. My steadfast love is going before you so that I can fulfill the promise that I made to you. This morning in Sunday school, we talked about spiritual battles. Right? You know what the greatest promise of the spiritual battle is? That He's with us. That whatever battle we're about to go into, that God is with us. Jesus says, I am with you. And the Holy Spirit is going to be with you. And by the way, here, just take the helmet of salvation. Take the breastplate of righteousness. Take the belt of truth. Here, here are the tools. You can go into battle, but you know what? Those tools are great, but the greatest part of that battle is He is with us during the battle. He is with us during the conquest and the spiritual battles that we fight and we come out victorious on the other side. And then he says, he kind of wraps it up and says, oh, by the way, God's steadfast love is, has been present with you throughout all of, of, of history. Verse 23 through 25. Because what we see in this up, down, up, down, up, down is another down. He says, I remember you in, in your lowest state. Rescued us from our foes. Now, we, I, I'm going to be honest with you. We, we don't know exactly what the psalmist is talking about, but this is given the pattern, right? Egypt, deliverance, Red Sea, wilderness, conquest. What would be the next thing? They've been in the land. What's the next thing? Why would they be in a low estate? Because once they get in the land, basically they abandon God, some of them do. Right? You go through and you, you read about the kings, and they got good kings and bad kings. Keep on reading, you find out that, hey, they're, they're carted off to Babylon and to Assyria. You think they were in a low estate when they were carted off into captivity? Yeah, probably. But then what happens? They come back from captivity. He, he knows that they're in captivity and he's with them. His steadfast love is with them in their low estate. And then he, he brings them back out when they return to the land. You know, he's saying, there's not a time in your history as my covenant people when I've not been with you, <laughs> where my steadfast love was not being revealed to you. 
And the same is true for us. If you're a believer in Christ this morning, there is not a time in your life that God's steadfast love was not made manifest and revealed to you. It's never not been there. And the psalmist is saying, you know, understand this, the God steadfast love, which has been around since creation and then seen demonstrated through his covenants with his covenants people, then remains and abides with his covenant people. This is God's steadfast love endures forever and remains and abides with you today, his covenant people. And we see that through all these amazing acts that he has done. But then the psalmist finally takes us to where God is, revealing his steadfast love through where he resides. Give thanks to the God of heaven. Do you realize this is the only time in all of the Psalms the word heaven is found? One of the few times in, in, in the Old Testament as, as well. And I think it's there, for a, a, it's, it's, it's there for a few reasons. One, it, it reminds us that God sits above everything. Right? I mean, God, God is above his creation. Is he intimately involved in his creation? Yes, absolutely. But he, he doesn't, his throne is not on this earth. He sits enthroned above earth, above heaven. And, and you just, again, you get that picture of majesty, of power, right? There's a reason when you go into the courtroom that the judge doesn't sit on the same level with you. I mean, have you ever thought about that? I mean, there's a reason that the judge is several feet up above you, and it's to convey power. It's a reason that they look, I mean, they, they look down at you. The same thing, God sits enthroned on high in his heavens, looking down at earth and creation. There is no one like him. But at the same time, it kind of wraps us back around to the beginning of the psalm too, does it not? to remind us that God is sovereign over every single thing in the universe. Everything that we have read in the psalm, God orchestrated and had a part in. Everything that we see in creation, God has a part in. Nothing is outside of His rule. Nothing. I mean, you even go back through and you look at the Old Testament and you read those stories where, where God uses evil, wicked rulers to advance His plan. Nothing is outside His rule. And one of the best ways to see this is to remember that He is the God of heavens. He sits above, enthroned on high. And the psalmist says, we just praise him for his steadfast love because of where he resides. And the psalmist, we see for 26 verses, right? Because that, that's what he's trying to do. He's, he's, he's really trying to describe that word hesed. He's trying to, to get the readers and get us today to understand the depth of that word of how God's, stead, God's steadfast love has endured forever throughout history and was there at the beginning of time, and it will always be there. 
And it's taken him 26 verses, and, and it could have taken him many more to explain that word. How rich and how great his steadfast love is. And he says, look, his steadfast love was revealed at creation. I mean, can you see that? God's steadfast love revealed when he created me and you. I mean, that's, that's the thing of love. God's steadfast love was, was seen through the covenants. Whether it's with Noah, I'll never flood the earth again. Whether it was with Abraham, I will give you this land and you will be my people. Whether it was with David, there's going to be one to come who will sit on your throne and rule forever and ever whether it was with the new covenant where he says, I will write the law on their heart. It says that God's steadfast love was revealed through his covenants and it endures forever. Whether it was through his great and mighty acts of overthrowing the most powerful empire at the time, bringing you into the land and giving you a land against hardened warriors when all you are is a bunch of shepherds whether it was with you when providing comfort when you were in your lowest state, steadfast love has always been there. And for us today, we get to see one more picture of a steadfast love, don't we? Because the psalmist is doing what? The psalmist is looking back. The psalmist isn't really looking forward. But we get to be in a position where we get to look back as well, don't we? And when we look back, we see everything that the psalmist wrote about. And to everything that the psalmist wrote about, we heartily say, for his steadfast love endures forever. However, as we look back, what we get to look back on is the ultimate manifestation of God's steadfast love. Because what we see is God's steadfast love was revealed to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And when we go back and we look at Jesus and we, we read about Him in the New Testament, what do we see? We see that He was there at creation, was He not? As the instrument of creation. We see that Jesus came to do what? To deliver us from our sin and from our bondage. And He delivers us out of that, does He not? And he, he, he redeems His people. You see the salvation that God talks about in, in the end of the psalm, where they are saved out of captivity. And we see that in the person of Jesus who comes and frees us from our bondage of sin and saves us and brings us up out of captivity. He redeems us. Titus 2.14 who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. The greatest way to see God's steadfast love that endures forever is through the person of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm going to make you my people I'm going to be with you always, wherever you go. And I'm preparing you 
to enter into that kingdom that I've already prepared for you, that I'm keeping for you, that's unfading, undefiled, and unending, that is kept in heaven for you. And on that day, when we, we see heaven with our own eyes and we see Jesus face to face, I, you know, all kinds of speculation has been said. What will we say or what will we do or what's going to happen? I don't know. Scripture is silent, but I do know one thing. I'm pretty sure that at some point in that, we're going to realize we get to see how His steadfast love endures forever as we are recipients of His steadfast love forever. As we walk the streets of gold, as we walk past the river, as we walk in and out of His city, as we see Him day in and day out, we will forever be reminded that His steadfast love endures forever. So as we close, join me just this one time in a response because we can give thanks to the Lord for He is good for steadfast love endures forever. You've been listening to the Gary Talks About God podcast. Are you looking for a church? Well, Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church is a community of believers who exist to glorify God and see transformed lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can find us on the web at www.redbankmbc.com. Also, come visit us on Sunday at 8104 Red Bank Road in Germantown, North Carolina. Did you like this podcast? We put one out each and every week, so don't forget to subscribe. We hope this has been a blessing to you, and we thank you for listening.